Judy Tucker, the Lord's not finished with you yet. You know, that you have so much to offer. And you've blessed me by how you just use your creativity and your, your gifts, like you were talking about, to just bless people. And I've seen the costumes that she makes for plays and just the incredible creativity that she has inside of her. And it just spurs me on. And I heard her say, I don't want to stop doing that stuff, you know, so please don't stop asking me, you know. So don't stop asking her because she's waiting. And um, I think to her, that's like an act of worship in a way. That's a way that she can bless people. That she can just minister to people and just help them in what they're doing. And uh, this really blessed me this morning, as Jim pointed that out, is wake up. Wake up, oh you sleeper. And the Lord has put so much inside of all of us to give. So much creativity that we had as a child. Remember that imagination that people used to talk about? You know, that Barney talks about and stuff, you know, <laughs> that imagination that was on Sesame Street or whatever you watch as a kid. But all of a sudden, as we become older and, you know, we get into our 30s and our 40s and stuff, then we start to go, well, where is that imagination? You know, what, what happened to it? And I think the answer is what the Lord's been showing me is it didn't go anywhere. But sometimes we sweep things under the rug and life experiences cause us to just forget about the things that God's put inside of us. So this morning, I don't have I really don't have much to offer to you, but I'm going to ask the Lord to multiply a gift of communication in order that you might receive something. Amen. So, Lord, I just ask you to multiply this, Lord. Here it is, God. I ask you to feed the people. Multiply your word that it might minister to hearts and even change lives, God. Because it's an awesome word that you got, Lord. And so we just pray that you would bless it. Amen. So what did you bring to worship today? What did you bring here to feed the sheet to feed the church. Um, there was this verse in our bulletins last week. I don't know if anybody saw it. It was 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Did anybody catch that? When you come together, everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. So do you come prepared on Sunday morning to strengthen the church? We've been hearing a lot about a few weeks ago, my friend Jonathan Helser was here. And I love that guy and just his creativity. You know, he can do all kinds of cool stuff. And he has all these illustrations, just these obscure little pictures and stuff that just spurs us on. And, and I was thinking, you know, what did I bring that morning to church? What did I bring? And... I think that many of us come with stuff. Maybe we come with a song, a prayer for somebody, a picture, a revelation, a word of encouragement, a prophecy, a service. We come with a lot of things. But some of us just want to come here to receive things without giving anything. And I think that the Lord is spurring us on 
in our spirits to say, let's all come in here with one purpose in mind, to strengthen the body. But, we must offer our talents and our abilities or our gifts before the Lord and allow Him to use it for His glory, not for our glory or our notoriety. Not so I can get up here and say, wow, look how well I can speak. Isn't that great? No, that's not what I want to do this morning. Or look how great Andy can play the guitar, man. You know, I wish I could be like Andy. You know, or look how beautifully that Lindsay can paint a picture that's prophetic. Man, if I could do that, then I could really minister to the body. The thing is, is you have something to offer, and it's a lot more than you give yourself credit for. I love not to pick on Nancy, but I, I pick on her because she's my friend and she'll let me. But she always, she's always talking about how she can't speak very eloquently. Was anybody here the other morning when she was speaking? Wow, man. I mean, eloquence is just exuding from her, you know? And that's something that Nancy's really grown in, I think. And the reason that she's grown in that is because she doesn't feel adequate. And she just says, well, Lord, I've got a little bit prepared, but you're just going to have to say whatever you want to say, you know? And that's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit and about the way that God does stuff, is if we'll just offer it, then He'll take it and multiply it. And I want to show you this scripture. Turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 1. I love this passage. This is most commonly known as the all-you-can-eat fish fry passage. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called His disciples to Him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with Me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. The first thing I notice about Jesus' ministry here that I would like to emulate is that his ministry was motivated by his compassion for people. Jesus loved people. And honestly, I think they probably drove him crazy a lot of the times because they were always there. And there was about eight or 10,000 people hanging around. And he could have just said, you know, I got to go rest now. <laughs> I'm tired of preaching to you and you guys trying to draw everything that I have. I'm going to go rest. But Jesus said, you know what? If I send them away, they're going to collapse because they don't have anything to eat, and they're going to die on the way home. So I tell you what, let's give them something to eat. Is the motivation of your ministry compassion? Is 1 Corinthians 14, 26, you bring in what you have, is that done because you really care about feeding people? You really care about those people that you see and want to see them healed, so you go and pray for them. You want to see them encouraged and strengthened and raised up in their ministry. So you go and encourage them in their gifts. Or is it to secretly say in your heart, well, look how well I can preach, how well I can dance. Look how well I can sing. 
If this is what is in your heart, all of us should probably not be doing what we're trying to do until we have the proper heart as Jesus did of compassion for people. If I'm up here to show you how well I can speak, I should probably sit down and let Jim come up and do it because, you know, he can preach a whole lot more eloquently than I. (laughs) Compassion for people and Christ's ministry to the church, His body, that is the right attitude to have. Is that... I long to see this church be all it's meant to be. I mean, I just, and I know Jim does, because he's had people come in here and teach on dance and, you know, try to get release and dance. He's had other people come and teach on different things, and Byron has done the same thing. And I've talked with him, like, man, how can we get all these people released into what God has for them? Just go with it, you know. But you know what? It's a lot easier said than done. I mean, you know, as a part of a ministry team, you have all these great ideas. Well, you know, I bet if we do this, people will really like it, and then they'll want to do this, and then they'll do that, and everybody will be spurred on. Everybody will get, uh, well, maybe. (laughs) You might get a few of them, like 10% of the crowd might catch on. But that's okay, you know, because you're doing what God has told you to do. I want to read a little bit further in verse Verse 4, it says, His disciples answered, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went into the region of Dalmanathua. Now, I'm thinking if there were 4,000 men, that there were probably, what do you think, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people with children and and uh, teenagers, I and mean, we know how many fish and loaves teenagers can eat, right? So there was a lot of folks out there. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Now, we all know what this is, right? Anybody know what this is called? Matzah, right? And, you know, we're not going to have communion this morning, but traditionally here we pull this out and we break off a piece and then we have a, a cup of juice that we honor the Lord with. And um, this is interesting. And if you've ever been to a Seder meal, you know a little bit more about this. Dean, can you come up here? Dean's going to assist me for a second. Everybody give Dean a little hand here. Thank you. Um. Can you tell us a little bit what that is and what the yeast means in the Seder meal? In the, uh, in the Seder, there's a thing called an afikomen where there's three pieces of bread just like this. And the middle piece is taken out, it's broken, and it's wrapped, and it's buried. And then just after the cup of redemption, it's taken back out, and the one who finds it and raises it gets a prize. 
And Jesus said that he was the bread of life. This is what the Jews call the bread of haste because it was put on their backs and the sun cooked it as they fled Egypt, but there's no yeast in it. Well, Jesus warned us about the yeast of the leaven of the Pharisees. And that leaven, that yeast represents sin. And during the Passover for seven days, which is the number of completion, your house is rid of all yeast, all leaven. So this is a basically sinless piece of bread. Jesus said he was the bread of life, a piece of bread that has no sin. And ironically, the way the matzah is made, it's striped as Jesus was striped and it's pierced. So you have a striped, pierced, sinless bread of life. That tastes good. (laughs) Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus said... I'm not going to give you a sign. And then he goes on in verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. And Jesus says this to the disciples. He said, be careful. He warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Now I was asking the Lord, what is the yeast of the Pharisees? What is Jesus trying to tell me I need to watch out for here? And as I connected that with the preceding paragraph, I realized that the yeast of the Pharisees is unbelief. The sin of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees, is not believing that Jesus is who He said He was, but needing a sign. Needing God to to give you this miraculous sign from heaven to test Him. You know, to throw out the fleece. As if you should do that every time. (laughs) Are you always asking God for a sign before you do something? Jesus said that the religious Pharisees who were totally opposed to Him were the ones that were asking for a sign. You know, when God tells you to go pray for somebody when you're in church on Sunday, do you say, well, Lord, I'll do it, but I'm just asking you that That person, when I look at them in 3.25 seconds, they will sneeze three times followed by a cough. And then I'll know, God, that you want me to go pray for that person and, you know, that everything's going to happen as you said it was. (laughs) Do you find yourself doing that on a regular basis? Constantly looking to God for just the the right thing before you do what he told, told you to do. And he, you know that he's told you to do it, but, you know, I heard a guy say one time, the problem with a lot of Christians is they're always saying, well, I just don't feel led. Well, the reality is we all feel a lot of lead. You know, that's why we can't do anything, because it's weighing us down so much. Now, after an incredible miracle, the religious folks still needed a sign. See, Jesus had already multiplied the bread and the fish, and fed 5,000 people. And then he fed, you know, well, 10,000. Then he fed 8,000 more. And then he goes somewhere else, and the, they're coming up to him, we need a sign. You know, that, that's just not good enough for us. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, you know, if you can't believe me after that, what, you know, when will you believe me? Well, I want to wrap this up into what I really feel like the Lord is, wants to say to us this morning. The, the last point that I feel like the Lord's saying to us in all this is that Jesus' goal was to place 
ministry in the hands of people. He wanted to reproduce who he was so that he could give it away. And uh, like, for example, man, I've seen, he wanted to come to Marlon Magusa and say, Marlon, here's what I got. Take it, run with it. You know, he wanted to come over here to little Danny Hodges. Danny, here's what I got. Take it, run with it. Go and feed my people. Now, over in verse in chapter 6, when he fed the 5,000, remember it said in verse 1 that another large crowd gathered. In, verse, in chapter 6, verse 37, he answered, you give them something to eat. If I were to walk off this platform and come and just What would you have to offer? Would it be a revelation that the Lord's shown you? Would it be an encouragement? Would it be a testimony? Would it be a song? Would it be a painting? I mean, you know, it's limitless what you could have to offer. But God wants us to come in here on Sundays with something to feed His people. Now, their response is interesting in that same verse. They said to Him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? They were thinking resources. Now God, it would take me a lot of talent and time to do something like this. It would cost me a lot of money and a lot of guitar lessons, you know, to be able to play like Andy. It would, you know, you could go on and on. What is our excuse for not taking, being good stewards of the talents and the abilities and the gifts that He's given us and putting them to use in the body? What has been our latest excuse? Well, God, I just, well, God, I, ah, I can't speak. Does that sound like Moses? Yeah. Oh, Moses, used by God as a mighty man of the Old Testament to deliver the people out of bondage, a whole nation. And, you know, he goes and zaps the water. You know, the waters blow apart and people just... I mean, God came to him the first time. What did he say? I can't speak. I don't know how to do it. And yeah, What am I going to do? He said, you got a stick, don't you? Yeah, I got a stick. Okay, well. Go out there and take it with you, and I'll do all kinds of cool stuff. You know, um, God might say, go and talk to that person. Well, I'm a shy person. I don't know what to say. Can you say hello? Yeah, well, that's good enough. Hello. (laughs) God wanted me to talk to you. What? God? You know, who's God? Well, you know, he's this guy, and he, he really loves He loves me. You don't know. You don't know who you're talking to. You know, it, you'll never know how God can use your talent, your ability, your voice, your hands, if you'll just say, here it is, Lord. I ask, I ask you to supernaturally use my what I have to somehow reach somebody. Jesus' goal was to place the ministry in the hands of people so that they could be sent out and go and do the ministry. What do you have to give to people? I guarantee you have more than you think that you do. You've got a lot more. 
And I just want to encourage you guys to really ask the Lord, God, what, what do I have? You know, what can I offer? How can I be of service? How can I bless people? Um, I, I've learned so much being a part of Christ's school of ministry. And one of the things that really impacted me was sometimes we try to over-spiritualize the things that God does. And, and uh, like, for instance, with prophecy. You know what prophecy is? Prophecy is telling something that God spontaneously brings to mind. That's all prophecy is. Like how many people have had a thought go through your head one day that you need to call, you know, Jimmy or something or whoever. You need to call Joe and just, you know, talk to him because, you know, he's going through a hard time. And you call him up and sure enough, you know, he's having a really rough time. And the next thing you know, God just used you to minister to that person. You know what that is? That's a prophetic word that God's given you. And everybody can relate with that. You know, that's everybody has similar things like that happen to them in their lives. So don't over spiritualize the things that God does through you and in you as if, you know, you had to be some giant spiritual person to do this. You know what I'm saying? The key is we need Jesus to supernaturally multiply what we have to offer our gifts, talents and abilities in order to touch people's lives. If He doesn't, we ourselves can't do anything. I'm sure that translation stuff doesn't come easy when it's just you. <laughs> it doesn't come easy when we just feel like, uh, <laughs> what can I do? But when we say, God, here's what I have. I got one fish. Boom. He can make it an all-you-can-eat fish fry. I even heard a story recently. Actually, I think Dad told me this. Of this guy, I think he was in South Africa or the Philippines or somewhere like that. And he was going into this McDonald's. And there was a bunch of street kids that gathered around him, you know, as, as they'll do in third world countries and stuff. And they were kind of begging him for just to buy him a cheeseburger. So he goes in there and he buys five cheeseburgers, five, one for each kid that had come up to him, and he puts him in his backpack, he goes back out to the street, next thing you know, he notices there's 15 kids. And he's like, Lord, what do I do now? You know, I'm trying to minister to these people and bless them, but I don't have a cheeseburger for all of them. What am I going to do, cut them in quarters, you know, and say, here's a quarter of a cheeseburger? Well, he reaches in his bag, he begins to hand them out. Here's one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. One for you. And the next thing you know, he keeps pulling out cheeseburgers. And he pulls out a cheeseburger for each and every kid that's standing there on that street. Because he made himself available. He probably didn't have the money to buy 15 cheeseburgers. But he bought five. And Jesus multiplied it. Now, here's where Jesus really drives it home. Don't we all love this part? Verse 17. Okay, in... These verses, the disciples get on the boat and they're traveling across the lake. And the next thing you know, they realize they only have one loaf of bread left. So they're like, okay, we don't have any bread and we're really hungry because we just gave the people all we had. So what are we going to do now? Jesus said, man, 
What is up with you guys? You don't get it yet? It doesn't matter. Aware of their discussion in verse 17, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? Don't you remember? Do you still not understand? After all that Jesus has done for you and for me and through you, do you still not have enough faith to believe that what He says is true about you and your circumstances will come to pass? For me, it goes like this. Don't you remember when you were going insane and I rescued you from the pit of destruction? You had been betrayed by your ex-wife and were going through a painful divorce, yet I was there to hold your hand and place your foot on solid ground. Your mother had cancer and I healed and restored her body and have prospered her ever since so that she's sitting here today. I restored to you what the enemy had stolen times 100 with a beautiful wife and soon to be three incredible kids. Do you still not remember? Do you still not understand the things that I've done through you? I used you on a Sunday morning a little over three years ago to call seven young men to myself. Not because of your spirituality but because of being available for me to speak through you. Do you not remember? Do you not understand what God has for you? If you ever question what the Lord has done for you, sit down and make a list of all the monuments, of all the times that He's done things through your life and in your life. It will build your confidence, not in yourself, but in your God. I keep this little paperweight on my desk. And one time I was at this conference and the guy was talking about Joshua and Moses and the monument stones that they set up along the way to remind them of all the things that God had done. And under each person's seat, <laughs> he had placed a rock like this. And he passed around these magic, these permanent markers and said, I want you to write on here a time when God just impacted your life in an awesome way. And then keep that with you. And so on in here I wrote some dates. And one of those dates is the day that I was born again. When God miraculously rescued me from destruction. And from the trip to the insane asylum or wherever I was headed because of my condition. July the 27th, 1993. A day that will always live in my memory. And I set that on my desk. And you know, when I'm having a hard day, and when it just doesn't seem like I'm really accomplishing much, or that people aren't responding the way I think they should, 
I look at that and I think, this is my monument. This is why I do what I do. Not because of me being a great person, but because I have to humble myself and say, Lord, if it wasn't for this, I would be nobody, I would be nothing, and I would have nothing to offer to people. God wants to use you in miraculous, supernatural ways if you will only step out of the boat onto the water and keep your eyes on Jesus. I think that our prayer this morning needs to be, God, keep us from the sin, from the leaven, from the yeast of the Pharisees, which is unbelief. Allow us to take those steps of faith when you ask us to. Let's pray. Father, your mercy is incredible. And Lord, it just humbles me to see your hand, Lord, and how you touch people's lives and change them forever. God, it's been incredible and just... Just overwhelming to see how you've restored Judy Tucker, Lord. 